So take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 24, 24. <clears throat> and in, in our winning battle, and you know, y'all, I, I was sitting there praying about this series, and I'm like, you know, Lord, uh, you know, we're going into judges after this. And, you know, he didn't even put an end on this series because <laughs> it's just going to continue on because the battles are going to continue to rage on. He never he did. He has not put an end on this series. So even when we get into judges, who knows where we'll go next? But um, God knows where, he, where he we'll go. But I want you to understand something about your winning battle. I want you to understand something about your winning battle. Joshua chapter 24. Um, and I'm going to explain something to you. In any battle, and we talked about it a little bit last week, in any battle, the plan is always laid out well before the battle. If you just give you an example, in 1942, 1942, the British suffered a major defeat at Dunkirk, major defeat. And with that defeat in 1942, some plans began to go into work about putting an end to the war. By the time, and the United States of America, of course, they had been in the war almost a year now. And by that time, um, they were pushing Britain, hey, we, we need to get an end to this war. And by May of 1943, Dwight Eisenhower was given permission, was actually charged with you know, I tried it to, let's get this thing knocked out. Let's do it. And so the planning for Operation Overlord started almost two years prior to the actual battle. What is Operation Overlord? Operation Overlord is also known as D-Day. Okay? And also known as D-Day. And if, we n if you remember correctly, D-Day didn't go into effect. The actual attack didn't happen until June of 1943. 44, I'm sorry. 1944. Um, one reason it's called D-Day is because no one knew the exact day of the attack. They just knew that it was going to happen one day. So they didn't have the weather, equipment, all of these different things apply were affecting when the actual attack. So the name of the operation is Overlord, but D-Day just stood for a day, day, a day when it was going to happen. So in the meantime, between 1942 and 1944 and the attack, you have to remember the Allies were amassing massive amounts of military, men, rations, um, Stuff was shipping from the United States to the UK. You know, I mean, massive, a massive buildup. Soldiers being shipped out and didn't know where they were going. They just knew they were going. So in, in this winning battle that the United States and all the allies had to fight in 1944, there were a lot of people in that battle that they were going to win that didn't know all the planning that went in ahead of schedule. And that's what we have to understand when we are in the middle of the battle right then. We don't know all the planning that went into the battle that you're standing in right now. Okay? Uh, most of you know, uh, most of you may not know. Um, I was telling Mike, 
my first two and a half years here have been rough physically on me, not spiritually, but spiritually I'm on fire. I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, man, God, keep bringing it. But physically, my body has taken a beating over the past two and a half years. Now, usually you hear something like that, and the next thing you know is you hear the pastor say, well, I quit. I'm not saying that, okay? <laughs> but, you know, six months in, I had knee surgery. I'm preaching on crutches, right? Doing wedding and preaching on crutches. You know, then I, I get the flu. I don't know how many times I've had it since I've been here. Then plus pneumonia just a few months ago. Plus, I lose both of my parents. Then, you know, well, lo and behold, 3.30 yesterday morning, the kidney stone decides to break loose and starts rolling around. So as the kidney stone was rolling, I'm rolling around in the bed like a beach ball. They, oh, you know, I'm just rolling and heaving and all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I've done it 11 times. Bonnie finally figured it out after I had about my fifth or sixth one, she's, and she had one. And she said, sweetheart, I didn't know it was that bad. She said, I'd rather give birth than have another kidney stone. She said, that's the closest a man will ever have to come to having a baby. And I've had 11 children. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, last night I was looking for the baby's head. I was like, somebody got to deliver this thing, okay? <laughs> I ain't going to even lie. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, and it's something still in there. But anyway, so I've been, but you know what? This is part of the battle. This is part of the battle. It's, it's, it's a little dart, yeah. I mean, well, last night it wasn't a dart. It was, it was, it was a, it was a Moab. It was a mother of all bombs. It was a, it was a, it was, it was coming. But if, if, in comparison, we find out that these soldiers, they, they came and, and, you know, these guys, they had no idea that when they landed in Britain that they were about to cross the English Channel and they were about to face this massive defense that had been set up by, by you know, in, in Normandy and, 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 and Pas-de-Calais, all these areas, they had no idea. You know, all these beaches, these, these you know, having to, to come up to approach a cliff straight up, all these things. But the, the generals knew. They knew, and they planned it. So in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. We're going to stop right there for a moment. First off, we read back in chapter 23 last week about the heads and everyone being called in for Joshua to talk to him. But this time he's calling them in to Shechem. And he's calling them in and... This time, if you notice in, in verse one, it says, and they presented themselves before God. They didn't present themselves before Joshua. They presented themselves before God. And then the next verse, it reads, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord. So Joshua is about to quote what God is telling him to quote. OK, so it's no longer Joshua speaking to him now. It's God speaking to him. And we're going to spend some time and talk about what he's going to talk about down the road because in this time he's going to recount their history so god's going to remind them of where he brought them okay they have to remember because they're about to go forward from this point they're going forward but they need to remember that there's always been a plan at the beginning now something key here and there's a word i want you to look at shechem 
Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Well, what is Shechem? Well, Shechem has been in the plan from the beginning, okay, the location of it. Um, it was once the capital of, northern Israel, uh, of the northern territory, the northern kingdom, okay? That's where Shechem was. But I want you to understand something about it. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter tw- 12. Genesis chapter 12. Huh? Do what? I'm sorry. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. We Genesis chapter 12. First off in the plan, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, in the plan we find out. Now this plan is well before any of these folks every, were even hatched, okay? Even before they were thought about. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, the scripture reads, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relative and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now, this is where he's sending Abram out, Abraham, soon to be Abraham, out to a country where he does not know. He's just like those soldiers that that left the shores of the United States and went over to Great Britain. Hey, all the general told him to do was get on the boat and go. Okay, I'm getting on the boat to go. uh, Abram, take your family, go, leave. I'll show you. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Now, Abraham is hearing this, and Abram's hearing this, but all, is he hearing all the details of the plan right now? Is he hearing the details of the plan? All he's hearing is the end result. That's all he's hearing. Guys, I understand this. Sometimes all we can hear, remember, all we need to think about is the end result in our, in our winning battle. Not, that the, not, not get so wrapped up in the battle. Think about the end result of the battle. Okay? What's the end result of me having a kidney stone? Well, one end result is I'm going to feel better when it's gone, right? Okay? <laughs> right? Jason, I see you're vertical now. Okay? So guess what? What was the end result of your battle this week? You didn't die. Okay? Exactly. See, that, that's what we have to think about. But now look what he's saying. The, in the winning battle, we get in this clear direction. Abraham, Abram, he says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Okay? Now, does anywhere in there, does it say, God, how are you going to do that? God, how do you plan on doing that? It doesn't say that. Look at verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And then you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed now what we're finding out here and this is what israel needs to remember in joshua chapter 24 that through your father abraham you're going to receive a blessing okay just like us through the work of men back in 1942 1943 1944 well what did we receive well, we're not speaking German for one thing, okay? We have a free country. We have a free France. We have a free Europe. Well, they're in bondage. They're on a different type of bondage, but that's a whole nother story. But you understand what happened? The plan to free them was well before it was actually enacted, okay? Now, let's go to verse 4 in chapter 12. So Abram Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. He followed the direction. He went forth. 
And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. Now the, now the Canaanite was in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Listen to this. To your descendants I will give this land. Who's he giving it to? The descendants. He wasn't giving it to the man that was part of the plan. Okay? I need you to look at this and understand this and hear it carefully. What you're going through right now, what you may experience in your battle right now, was prepared for you a long time ago. And now you've reached this. And now what you're experiencing is preparing for someone else on down the road. Okay? Whether it's the loss of a family member, whether it's a pain. Hey, if you need advice on knee surgery, I can give it to you. Okay? If you need advice, I'm putting Jason's business out in the street, but I'm just so happy to see him. But if you need advice on a bug bite, he can give it to you. Okay? If I need to know how to snake wrangle, well, guess who? Guess who's endured snake wrangling? Huh? Guess who's endured snake wrangling? It's been Brother Mike. Okay? He's had to deal with it. At some point, he had to overcome some things to learn how to grab him by the head and not get bit. Right? Okay? I'm quite sure there was a few close calls, too, wasn't there? Yeah, more than one. Okay? So, not me. I'll call you, okay? I'm not doing no such thing. <laughs> if anything, the next thing I see is going to get that rat shot that Brother Mike gave Bonnie, okay? <laughs> That's what it's going to get. But, but let's look at verse 4, <laughs> verse 5. Abraham took Sarah's wife and Lot, his nephew, and all their possession, possessions which had accumulated and their persons which they had acquired in Haran, and, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Now, keep in mind, his family's going along. Abram is leading, and they don't know what's going on. But what are they doing? They're obeying, and they knew it's better to go with Abram because he's heard the voice of the Lord than stay where we are. Okay? It's better to go where we know someone's heard the voice of the Lord than to stay where we are. Jump over to verse 6 again. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, Shechem is important here because Joshua brings the people in in chapter 24 at Shechem where Abram had been. And guess where he's standing now? Joshua is standing there as what? The recipient of the promise that Abraham was given. It wasn't yours at the time. It It was not Abram's at the time. He says, I'm going to give it to your descendants, which means that you'll eventually get it, Abram, but it's going to be through your descendants. You're going to be dead and gone, but you will know that it happened, okay, because it's a promise. And look, and he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, like Miss Linda quoted, Abram comes into this land, and guess what he does? He stakes his claim. He stakes his claim, not based on treaties between governments, not based on someone who lived there the longest, because guess what? There was already someone there. 
but you're going to get out, okay? You're going to leave because I'm coming in now. Why? Okay, because because God told me to come in. So in fighting your winning battle, I'm going to take you back to Joshua here in a second, but I want to read a couple more scriptures in chapter 12. Shechem is very important, and it's very important for God when we go back to verse 1 in chapter 24, when God assembles them all there, he assembles them there at the key point where the promise was made to the nation. Okay? the prom- All of their fighting from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 23, uh, excuse me, chapter 10, all of their fighting, all of their struggles, everything that they're going through, it all culminates right here to this moment where now you're standing here at the place where the promise was given and an altar was built to glorify God. (coughs) Something you have to understand about your winning battle. When you're in this winning battle, uh, let's let's go back to our friends in Normandy. Let's go back to those guys, okay? Right now, there's still memorials that are set up there, okay, that people can go and see and see who fought for them to have that, to who fought for them to be free. All of that is still available, right? It's still there. There's memorials there that they can go and they can see. And they can and they and, and the reason why you have a memorial is why. So you can remember what happened, why it happened. And then also so you don't repeat. The, 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 you know, hey, we don't want to ever go back to this. We don't ever want 260 some odd thousand men to lose their lives ever again. And that's roughly the number that was lost in the Battle of Normandy. OK, in that 50 month, I mean, 50 day battle, there was about that many that were lost. We don't want to go back to anyone losing their lives like that. Joshua brings them to Shechem because guess what? You guys, this is yours now. This is yours and it belongs to you. It's given to you by God. Don't lose it. Don't go back the way and, and, and have it all reversed. Have it all taken away. Get re- you know, don't go back and do the things that, that will cause you to lose what you got. Okay? And this is what we have to remember in our winning battle. We can't go back and do things that cause us to lose what's already been given. Okay? So, look at verse uh, 7. To, uh, to your descendants I will give this land. So he built the altar, to the altar there to the Lord who had appeared to them. In verse 8. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of, Beth- on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west now look what's who's on look who's on the other side and Ai on the east. Now guess where they remember their battle in chapter seven, and the Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham so uh, journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now this is key. Abraham put his foot where Israel was going to put their foot. Okay, so. Just like when you, get a, when you get a new dog at the house and he goes and he sent marks your, his territory, doesn't he? This is mine, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. The dog, you know, and so when other dogs come up, oh, there's a dog that lives here, okay? But Israel's different. Israel is, God, Abraham is, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, 
This is, my, this is not naming and claiming. This is just how things were identified. This is the beginning of the plan for Israel. You hear what I'm saying? This is the beginning of the plan. Now, none of the Israelites that are standing there in Joshua chapter 24, which you can go back there now, none of the Israelites that were there, none of them were alive at the time when Abraham was marking the territory, was it? Were they? None of them were. In Joshua chapter 24, let's go back to verse 1. Then Joshua gathered. Now, keep in mind, you have to remember Joshua, he's old, he's advanced in years, as the word of God says, and he's about to go away. He's about to die. So what does he have to do? He has to leave them a reminder of, hey, guys, you've already won the battle. You've already won the battle. Just do the things you're supposed to do to keep it the way it's supposed to be. Don't go, and that's why I got y'all reading Judges chapter 1 through 6, because y'all are going to see them, you're going to see the wheels come off the wagon, okay? The wheels are coming off the wagon, we know it. Just like the wheels come off our wagon every time we go through something, or every time we get a little apathetic, okay? We get that apathy about us, and then the wheels start coming off, and then what happens to us? Where, where are we? Well, we're one of two things. We're either running away from the church or we're sliding into the altar. One of the two is going to happen when you get apathetic. But the wheels are coming off because of your actions or your response to something that's gone on in your life. Okay? Like I said, with my issues, what have I, I experienced, and I'm just using, I can only use myself as an example. I can't speak to anyone else. But what I've gone through in the past few years, it, it seems rough. I mean, every few months there's something. You know, there, there's, you know, there's something. I mean, there's something, right? And so there's only one, two ways I can handle this, right? Well, I know I'm winning, so this is just a step in the battle. It's like walking on the battlefield and not expecting to get shot at. Oh, no. Or, or that, that's like, I tell you what. Let's see, who am I not afraid of? <laughs> Luke, come here. <laughs> I ain't going to push none of y'all adults, y'all. Now, what if I did that to Luke? And see, he'll. But just because he gets pushed on the playground doesn't mean he's supposed to quit playing, right? I keep pushing him. You, you got to play, right? You still want to? You, you want to push me back? Not really, do you? You don't want to push me back. But push me back. At some point in time, he will. You see, but what we do, and when I push you this time, I want you to go sit down, okay? When you get pushed, oh, well, <laughs> knowing that you won, but you get pushed, you give up. And the way you give up is different. Some of us give up by reverting to the world, okay? Some of us give up by just shutting down and not even and just stepping away from God, okay? Some of us, they don't, we don't give up. Like, you push me, okay, I'm pushing back. I'm going to stand on what I know. This is what Joshua is going to teach the children of Israel right now. He's about to teach them what God is about to teach them. He's about to teach them, listen, remember, you're here at Shechem. Let me tell you what happened here. Shechem is very important. Y'all have studied it. Abraham, your father Abraham, he stepped here, he stepped here. Back when y'all lost the AI and you weren't supposed to, when y'all ran away from AI and you weren't supposed to, the reason why you lost the AI is because you did it not according to the plan. 
that was already written a long time ago, which God had already he already knew. And, and so you didn't follow it. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to go before we go any further. I want you to go to John chapter four, New Testament, John chapter four. John chapter four. Let's tell you how important Shechem is. Even Jesus deals with this. And you know it's going to see the word in here, but look at verse 20. In chapter, John chapter 4 and verse 20. Well, now Jesus is at the with, with the woman at the well in Samaria. Okay? And look what she quotes to him. She says, our fathers worship, worship in this mountain. And you people say that, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, he, this is the same area, okay? This is the same area that Shechem is in, and this woman is referring to, because there, you got to keep in mind, Ephraim, all these areas, they, 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 the, the Samaritans only believed in the Pentateuch. That's it. They only went as far as the Pentateuch. They were like Jews, but they only believed as far. But this woman says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say, you people, <laughs> you people, okay? <laughs> Jesus, like, well, you, who are you calling you people? No. She's talking about the Jews. Say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, the, the place of Shechem and where Jerusalem, because Shechem is, I don't know how many miles, Mike, you know how many miles outside Jerusalem Shechem was? About 20 or 30 miles? Right. Okay. And Shechem was a good trade route, too. There was a main highway that flowed through there. It was a lot of busy roads going through there. But what we have to understand is, is that it became a dividing point because guess what? Some groups thought this is where we ought to worship. Why? Because, well, this is where they met in Joshua chapter 24. And then the Jews, we knew Jerusalem was the home, was, was supposed to be the capital of Israel. Okay, and you got to keep in mind at one time Shechem was actually the capital of the northern kingdom. So that caused division. I know I'm kind of getting you eggheadish here. I'm being an egghead, but I want you to understand the setup here and how we're going to go back to Joshua chapter 24 and explain the purpose of them being at Shechem. Okay, now go back to Joshua 24. They're standing before God. Verse two, Joshua said to all the people. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah. Now, here's the here's the key for the father of Abraham, the, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then now this is God talking. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau, I gave Mount Seir to possess. Understand, he's clearly dividing, the, dividing who owns what and whose rightful people are going to own the, the, the inheritance. Okay, who's going to be the right, rightful people? Uh, Mount Seir to possess. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. 
Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in, by what I did in the midst, and afterwards I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And Egypt pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. But when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and Egypt and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your own eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you into a land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand. And you took, took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Then ba- um, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And, and he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you. But I was not willing to listen to Balaam. So he had to bless you. Listen, so he had to bless you, and I delivered you from his hand. You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Thus I gave them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet of the Amorites from before you, and not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them and are eating of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, all of that happened. Everybody's read that before. Everybody's read that before. But God put them at a specific place, at a specific time, to recount every single thing that he did for them and for the purpose. Okay? Now look at Israel's next, next, look at the next comment. Go to verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. He made it a key point to talk about what he did before Abraham took over and then what he did after Abraham took over. There was no power before with Abraham's father and all of them. There was no, because they served all these other gods. There was a whole bunch of power when he commissioned Abraham. His plan was in Abraham. The seed is in Abraham. The seed, even at Shechem. Shechem is, it should have been a memorial to them. Because wait a minute, guys. We're standing in the very place where, first place, where an altar was built. And God's plan for Abraham and Israel went into action. Now keep in mind, he noted, he said, to Abraham I gave Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob. And he also mentioned the difference of what happened when he, Esau, what happened to Esau? He was given what? What was Esau given? Yeah, he was given another land, but in Jacob, you see it, but in Jacob what was given? The promise. And keep in mind, in the giving of that promise, he even made the promise solidified by doing what? By calling Jacob who? Israel. Israel. He called him the nation in which he was going to produce. Okay? He changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. He he went from Abram to Abraham. So in, in, in all of this, we see the plan going together. And God is mapping it out for Israel to remember. 
This is what happened. This is what's going to happen. And keep in mind, y'all, you know, our God, he's the same. I'm not saying he does everything the same, but he will lay it out. You have to understand what you see in God here is a pattern of a plan. There will always be a pattern of a plan in God. So in your, he didn't deny that they had to fight, did he? And they lost some people, didn't they? And in your battle, there's a plan somewhere in there. Okay? My, my job as pastor is to help you find it and help you live according to it. But there's a plan in your battle. Okay? And I need you to understand that. There, there's something, this kidney stone is going to have a purpose. Paul's thorn had a purpose. What was, what was the purpose of Paul's thorn? Keep him humble. And keep in mind what the scripture says. It says a messenger of Satan was sent. A messenger of Satan was sent. Well, who would have sent it? God. God would have sent that. Why? Well, for, for, for the purpose and the plan for Paul. Because Paul had a, had a massive plan in front of him, didn't he? He's going to have to write all these books in the Bible. Okay, he's going to have to plant all of these different churches. He's going to have to do all these different things. And the last thing Paul needed to get was an arrogant spirit. That's the last thing he needed was arrogance. That's the last thing that any that would have. What's the proverb, Brother Mike? Uh, uh, pride cometh before fall. Was it 1618? Proverbs 1618. Is that it? Yeah, exactly. And see, so understand, even right now, even though you feel at a loss, even though you feel like you're defeated, even though you feel like it could be better, right? How many of us say, well, it could be better? How many, would, how many of us would enjoy an extra grand or two in the checking account? Right? You know? <laughs> it, but it c- exactly, it could be worse. You have to understand a part of the plan. And, and so Israel is, is reminded of, of what they went through. Now keep in mind, look, look, look back at verse 4. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And Esau I gave Mount Seir to possess. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. He gave them land, but to the nation that he promised all of this prosperity to and everything, he sent them into bondage. Huh? You see that? He gave the ones that weren't receiving the inheritance. Here you go. (laughs) Here's your land. That's, that's, that's like the prodigal son. You're giving him all of this? And I never left you? Yeah, but, you know, dude, you being a whiny baby right now because I gave it all to you too. And I actually, you know, I work for you now because I gave y'all everything. When, they sent, when, I, when he went away, I gave you everything. But he gave Esau, who wasn't destined for anything. There was nothing, there's the, the, no one, look. Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came out of the nation of Israel. He did not come out of Esau's lineage, did he? But the very people that he was going to use to glorify himself, he sent into bondage. See, first thing you have to understand, it's easy to glorify God in your winning battle if it looks like you're winning all the time, (laughs) right? Right? But when you've had to come through some things, 
it's a different story. You appreciate the battle, and then you start recognizing them more. Look, kidney stone number 11, I recognized it real quick. For, for about two seconds, I thought, man, I pulled a muscle. And then it went, it did, I said, oh, no, I didn't. That's kidney stone. I recognized it. It wasn't long. And I think I even triggered myself and just start rolling. That's a kidney stone. That means I got to roll. Oh, and I started doing all that stuff. You can't help it. You're going to roll. It makes you feel better. I mean, it just does. You know, it doesn't really help nothing. It just makes you feel better to roll when you got a kidney stone. Because it's rolling, so you got to roll with it. But look, okay, go back to verse 4 in chapter 24. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Asile and, and to and Jacob and Esau, and to Esau gave Mount Seir to possess. But Jacob and his sons were sent, were, went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt. Now, this goes right back to what God promised. Those who curse you, I'm going to deal with them. In chapter 12 of Genesis, I'm going to deal with them. So understand, you're in this situation, but you're in this situation because I'm going to teach another people some stuff. I'm going to teach them. I've equipped you to be in this situation. Esau's people weren't equipped to be in that situation. Esau's people weren't equipped to produce the lineage that Jesus was going to come through. And keep in mind now, the lineage that Jesus came through is full of murderers and whoremongers and everyone else, right? That don't mean Jesus was one. We know that, but you understand what we're saying, okay? God gets more glory. Guess what? Because Rahab, a harlot, what did she do? She saved the spies. So in all of this, am I making sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? I need you to understand this. Okay? Go back to verse 3 in chapter 24. Then I took your father Abraham. Stop right there. Go back to verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your, father, your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Notice, they weren't called, he didn't call Nahor, Terah and Nahor the grandparents of Israel, did he? He totally disconnected them. He said, the father, your father, is Abraham. He didn't give any credit to the ones that served other gods. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? That's where the plan began, and also that's where he knew the blessing was going to come from. That, that's where he, now keep this in mind. That's, uh, faith kicked it off right there. Nobody else had faith because they were serving other gods. Good word, very good. Go back to uh, Genesis. Go to chapter 12, actually, go to chapter 14. Go to verse 14, and let's, let's start um, at verse 3. And it lists, because before this, it lists a lot of kings and so on. And verse 3 says, All these came as allies to the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served um, Shadolam, I can't get that name right. I'll get it, I'll practice it later. But the, the 13th year they rebelled, and in the 14th year, 
um, Chedorlaomer, there we go, and the king that were with him came and defeated the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, and then the Zuzim in Ham, and the Eman in Shavath Kerathim, sorry, and the Horites in their Mount Seir, and in Mount Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Misphat, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived in Hazan Tamar. Now tell me something about those people. Who knows anything about all those, those people? Who were they fighting for? Who were they fighting for? Huh? Who were they fighting for? Hmm? Do you know? Do you know who they were fighting for? Go back to verse 16 to chapter 13. Ready? I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And it came about in the days of Raphael, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elisar, and then Shedolamar, Shedol king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bershika, I mean Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Sinab, king of Gadma, and Shimber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these came as allies to the valley of Siddim. Now, who were they fighting for? All of those people I just read, who were they fighting for? Huh? They, 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 they were fighting amongst each other to destroy each other. Look what he's, uh, keep in mind. Look, go back to chapter 13, verse 16. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram, Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And then the next chapter goes right into the battle with the kings. What happened? What happened? Take a guess. Exactly. Abraham, all he had to do was walk. Similar to the same thing that happened to Jericho, all he had to do was walk around, right? And now we have all these kings stirred up just because Abraham walked the land. And now they're battling each other, okay? Because they're coming up against Sodom and Gomorrah. And we can keep studying that, but I want you to understand something. This was in the plan. This was in the plan. And keep in mind the way Abram was given the land. The promise has been given, and now you're starting to see, guess what? The people will start biting and eating each other. And guess what Abram did? He sat back and let him do it. He didn't go to war, did he? He's already working on their behalf. He's already working on your behalf. Once again, it's in the plan. Israel is finding out all these kings, everything. They're finding out all these things are happening on their behalf ahead of time. 
He, already, he had already removed the foundation of Jericho before they got there and even shouted. He knew what was going to happen. He had already done all of these different things. He knew the bats were going to be at the Red Sea. What did he do? He let the sea do the battle. Israel didn't have to do anything to, to, to the Egyptians. All they had to do was just follow them in. I mean, you know, hey, Egypt were the mice, and Israel had the cheese. And they just walked in and drug it in, and they followed them right in. Okay? I, I know my analogies are kind of crazy, but I want you to understand where, where we are with this. So Joshua in chapter 24 is reminding them of these great battles, of these great things. God is reminding them of all this. And then he's saying, even though, look, he, he had Jacob and Esau. Esau was given this mountain. Yay! That's like, that's like you know, me going to the lost person and saying, hey, here's my home in Greystone. You can have it. Yay, I got a house in Greystone. You giving up your house in Greystone? Yeah, I got a better one coming. <laughs> it's in glory. You see, I, I know the plan, okay? So I'm going to stop there because I, I, I know I've thrown a lot of names at you and all this other stuff, and I know I've kind of been technical tonight, but this is really setting us up for a, a real big, not a finale, but when we get on into where Israel starts talking about we will serve the Lord and, you know, and Joshua tells them, no, you can't serve God because you're going to, you know, he knew. He knew Judges was coming. He knew Judges was coming. And when we get into Judges and we see the ups and downs and all this other stuff and, and, and all these kings that we read about and how God, you know, God has done this several times. He's confused the enemy, has he not? He's confused men, you know, and had them thinking, hey, you know, and he had them battling, had them doing all these different stuff. He, he's done that. And when you go through, and I know you don't want to read these kings and all this stuff, and it's hard. I have difficulty with them, too. Um, but when you start getting into them and understand what is happening, he kept Josh, he kept Abraham on point, And Joshua is, he's trying, Joshua is trying to tell him the same message. Just stay on point. Okay? Walk the land. All I need you to do, Abram, is walk the land. That's all I need you to do. Walk it. And guess what? That land he walked centuries ago. It's still there. So those folks fighting over it right now, they're fighting up. They're fighting a lost cause because it still belongs to who? It still belongs to Israel. I don't care what you say. I don't, I don't care what government gets in place and says, hey, you know, let's, I'll give you half. You give, you're wrong. You can't do that. God will not allow that to succeed. He's not going to let you. Because I, I told you, I told you I was going to stop. I can't. Go to chapter 33, Genesis, Genesis. There's not one in Joshua. Go to chapter 33. In chapter 33, go to verse 18. There's another reference to Shechem. Now, now, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Pandan Aram, now that was one of the cities where we talked about where the kings were, okay, and camped before the city, he brought the piece of land. Look at it. He bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent. All the way back then, Jacob bought that land that the Palestinians are arguing for right now. 
Okay, Palestine is arguing about that very plot of land right now. Now, keep, let's keep reading. He bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected there an altar and called it El Elohei Israel. That's what he called it. Now, that's like, so people arguing in Palestine about Jerusalem being theirs is like the French getting mad because we bought the Louisiana territory for a couple of bucks. You can't do that. It's ours now. I bought it. It's mine. I ain't signed over no deed. I ain't gave you no permission. It's still mine. And I still got kin folks alive. It's still mine. Okay? It's still mine. So now look. In chapter 34... And that gets to that, 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 that we'll stop because that gets to where Shechem starts. He he defiled Dinah and Dinah wanted, you know, he wanted Dinah. It, that goes to another story. But that does also lead to wow, Israel was being deceitful and they shouldn't have been because Jacob is trying to, you know, establish Israel's good name and all these other things. So we'll stop there. Any, go ahead. Ain't no telling what Sarah said. You know, yeah, you know, you got to understand Sarah. You know, you see, but that's the other thing. You know, keep in mind, they got to the promised land and there was a famine. And then it went down to Egypt. Yeah, it came out rich. And then here, then you keep on going with the same story and take it all the way to Joseph. And Joseph goes down to Egypt, becomes a slave. Ends up being in charge, second only under Pharaoh, you know. Now, keep in mind, too, Joseph was buried in where? Shechem. He was buried in Shechem. There's another place. Same piece of land that Jacob bought is where Joseph is buried. This is why they're at Shechem. They got to understand, y'all, this has always been. Cool. After that purchase, and they're saying, see, the plan was already in place. So Joshua is showing them the territory where the plan was already in place. Don't deviate because the plan was in place for you. And look where you stand at the land where God promised you. Now, if you stay and serve the Lord, you will fulfill more of the plan. Same thing for you. If you stay and you serve the Lord, you will fulfill more of the plan. That kind of summarizes this this segment of the class, okay? Do you, y'all get it? Mm-hmm. I haven't confused you, have I? Okay, good. It makes complete sense. Now you can connect the dots of Shechem, okay? And if somebody wants to talk to you about Shechem, what's Shechem? That's what you do to corn. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. It's what? And his descendants kept grabbing it. They kept taking it. And they kept taking it. Jacob took it. Jacob took it. Joshua took Joshua took it. Okay? Everybody and then Israel ended up possessing it. Okay? But this the whole thing is though when you get the promise, don't mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but 
bound Abraham's father and mm-hmm. the rest of the line, that pretty much tells us what the world is. You're right. And in the case, he has to work. He can only work for his faith. Yeah, that's it. Abraham had faith. His father built the mm-hmm. father into that. They buried him. Exactly, the exactly. He was, he was traveling along with Israel him. had faith. Jacob had faith. What did he, he wrestle with God? Keep that in mind. He re- to build the faith of the people so he could actually work with them. It required that camp that 430 years of captivity. So, so it requires a bug bite. It requires cancer. It requires kidney stone. It requires whatever you got going on. Okay, it requires that. You know, God can't speak to you with an extra prayer if he, unless he puts you on your knees. He's got to get you there. And that's the whole point. So and you're right. You're right. You're right. Everybody's right. So, I mean, and there's been more praying. Let's look at Caden Russell right now. Woo! You're talking about God working. I mean, it was from, hey, she's on the ventilator. She's probably not going to make it to, they're pulling her off stuff now. I mean, come on. So, so think about that. So, anyway, hopefully you got it. Uh. Don't forget, continue to read Judges. Go ahead and finish up Joshua chapter 24. Go ahead and finish up Joshua chapter 24. Read Judges chapter chapters 1 through 6, okay? Yeah, again, please get it, okay? Because you now that I think, hopefully if you can take tonight's lesson and apply it to what you learned, uh, what you read in Judges, it, it'll, it'll, you'll start seeing some things. Because I'm like I said, when the wheels come off, I'm telling you right now, and we're not any worse, we're not any better than Israel. But when Israel takes the wheels off, buddy, they really take the wheels off. I mean, they go full, I mean, they really go full blown, hey, guess what? God who? Who? God did what? You know, you can hear the recounting of, of, of the parting of the Red Sea and all of these other stuff. And, and it, we're, we're the same way. We can hear the, you know, we, we can hear about Jesus and know it and believe it. And, and we, that's where our faith lies. And, and when we can read the scripture, it says you should not have a bad attitude. You shouldn't talk about people. You shouldn't do this. And yet, what do we turn around and do? Before we get outside that door, what's for supper? And did you see the way they looked at me? What is wrong with us? Did you, yeah, did you see what, uh, you know, I, I, okay, okay, got it. Quit, stop. You, you're winning. It may not feel like it. It may hurt, but you are winning. You hear me? You're winning. So start living like you're winning and quit living like you're whining. Okay? Wrong. Huh? Yeah. Whining because you got kidney stones. Hey, look. I Look. Cindy asked me. She asked me through a text. She said, so are you, got, you, got, you got a kidney stone, so you got tonight covered? <laughs> no, you asked me if I was at work. I said, yeah. I said, um, I said I, I, I had to work. I said, if, I, if I'm going to preach, I need to come to work. And, uh, you know, and then I told her, let me read the text. <laughs> let me read the text just so you get it. <laughs> Make sure we get it right. Because she don't remember what she said. Okay. That's okay. So she asked me, she said, do you think you've passed them all? I said, I thought I did, but the way the pain is in my back, maybe not so much. 
it's nothing like yesterday when I, I was rolling around in the bed like a beach ball. Now it's like a 50-pound weight on my back. She goes, hmm. And, and so then I explained my incorrect spelling. And she told me she knew what she meant. And then she says, are you at home today? And I said, ha-ha, no, I'm at work. If I'm going to preach, then I need to work. She said, yes, you do, good boy. She called me on it. And I said, so I'm your pet now. And then um, she asked me about eating, but then something else came up. But we said something. It's yeah, you know what? Yeah, 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 that's where it was. I said, since I've been at Sulphur Springs, I can't recall a time where I have been so sick so many times. God has something big planned. That's what I wrote. I said, we're all suffering in some way, and yet he strengthens us through it. And, um, you know, and then she replied, you, you're saying what? She said, you saying we are making you sick? I said, no. <laughs> oh, she said, Satan knows what he's doing. But you see, you understand this. Um, yeah, this way, she said, oh, so that should be fun. Um, watch, especially if you have, a, uh, you have, no, hold on. Let me read this. <laughs> she said, what, are you, what about church tonight? Are you going to have some, someone to handle it for you? I said, no, ma'am, I'm teaching tonight. And she said, oh, that should be fun to watch, especially if you have a pain hit you. <laughs> Laugh out loud. <laughs> I said, you got that right. But then I, here's my reply. I said, you can't preach on a fighting and winning battle if I lay down every time I hurt. <laughs> so uh, she said, that's true, but you may have to lay down to preach. <laughs> so that was the, th- that's what she does all day. Anyway. Let's keep fighting, y'all, okay? <laughs>